Today we come to the conclusion of this series that I've called Blueprint in which we've been looking at the book of Ephesians and thinking about a biblical plan for the life of the church. A foundation that's set there that helps us understand what church is all about and what we've been called to do and to be in this community. And we've talked about some pretty important topics. We've talked about the the nature, the role of who Jesus is and how that affects who we are. And we've talked about our mission as a church, and we've talked about the unity that's required to fulfill that mission. And today, we want to bring some of this to a close by thinking about what it means to be the church in a particularly uncertain time. And to be really candid, this is a difficult time to be a church leader, right? And I don't just mean people who are paid, like pastors, I mean church staff members, but also elders, ministry team leaders, people who teach, lead small groups, all kinds of things that are involved in church life. There are decisions that have to be made that, well, we haven't really made before because things are very different than they were in the past. We've had to answer some questions because, you know, the truth is we don't know exactly what the future holds. And so we've asked questions, but we don't always have the answer to those questions. Like the question that I think lots of us keep asking, whether we're, again, on staff or some other role in the church is, are things, or maybe when are things, ever going to be like they were on March the 8th, 2020? March the 8th was was the last, what we would probably all call normal Sunday we had in our church, right? Before things started to change because of the pandemic. And our question is, when's it going to be like that Sunday? When is it going to feel normal? Because right now it doesn't feel very normal. And maybe as we begin to keep going through this, we start asking, is it ever going to be exactly normal? What's that going to look like? We've asked that question a lot. We've asked the question, what would make people feel more comfortable coming back to worship in person? And that's probably going to take a little while. We've gone through some milestones where we kept thinking, okay, once this comes, then, you know, it's going to get back to normal. Things will be like they were once we get to this point. So the first one was Easter. Surely everything will be normal by Easter. Of course, we weren't even in this room on Easter Sunday morning, were we? And then we thought, well, when summer comes and it gets warm, maybe the the virus will calm down and it'll get back to normal. And that didn't happen. Then we thought when school starts, That'll feel like life is normal, so church will be more normal too. Well, that didn't work either. And now we sort of think maybe when we get a vaccine, things will be more normal, and I hope they are. But these milestones have come and gone, and and it still doesn't feel very normal. But we still have a mission to love God and love others, to be God's people in this place, we still want to engage people with the message of Jesus Christ. And so the question is, how do we do do that? And maybe this morning you're struggling a little bit with all this. I know I do at times. Like, you know, when do we have to not use those little communion cups anymore, right? I think I'm just learning how to open them. And then a couple weeks ago, I spilled... uh, juice all over my Bible and my pants and everything else in church. Good thing we have communion at the end of service, right? You're not the only one, Todd. That's right. When are we going to have coffee time again, right? 
When are we going to be able to just stand out in the welcome area and chat and drink coffee and eat a donut? Boy, that would be nice, wouldn't it? We, we miss those things. And we want to know when some of that's going to happen. And so we struggle. And today I want us to allow Paul's words to speak to us. Now, of course, when Paul wrote Ephesians chapter 3, he, he wasn't writing to a group of Christians who were in the middle of a pandemic, right? I mean, Paul's writing to this church and maybe a group of churches because this letter may have been passed around. feels a little bit like a handbook for early church life. But what I do know is this, that when Paul wrote this, he was writing to Christians who were in uncertain times. Remember that nobody in Ephesus or any of these churches in Asia Minor, nobody had grown up in church. It was all new to them. And they were figuring out what it meant to be followers of Jesus in a culture that and was not used to Jesus. And they had not lived lives of following Jesus. They had to understand what that looked like. They were either Jews who had grown up in Judaism or they were Gentiles who grew up as pagans or worshiping the emperor or no God at all. I mean, that's where they were. And to now understand what this life together of following Jesus is all about, that was a challenge. And so there's lessons for us, even though the challenges were very different, I think some things that Paul says can help us deal with what feels like a very uncertain time. So in Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to see that at the beginning, we saw this actually last week, that Paul starts a prayer. He says the word Gentiles, and that reminds him of his mission to the Gentiles. He talks about that for a couple paragraphs and then he comes back to his prayer, which begins in verse 14. We're going to actually pick up in verse 16. So Ephesians chapter 3, middle of a prayer, verse 16. Paul says, I pray that out of his, the Father's, glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. With power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now this is another place in the book of Ephesians where Paul piles on words that have to do with power and work and, and they sort of go together and Paul is talking about how God's power is at work in us. Now that's not a new theme in Ephesians. Paul's talked about that before. So he, he wants us to hear that, but now he's in this prayer mode and so he's asking that God would be at work with his power in the church. Okay? Just like us, in the midst of uncertainty and not knowing exactly what's next, Paul knows that one of the things that this church needs is God's power at work. And what's interesting is both the source and the goal of that power at work. The source is God's Spirit. I mean, the power that we have at work in us to be the church, to be followers of Jesus, the power that we have at work to do that is God's Spirit in us, okay? Now, our culture doesn't really see things that way. Our culture says, man, you've got incredible power at work in you. If you can just tap into the potential that you have inside of you, you can do awesome things. Well, there's a grain of truth of that, but, but the real power is not within me. In fact, if, if you look back in my life, you can say, well, he, he needed something more on multiple occasions. The real power at work in the church and in us as Christians is the power of God's Spirit. That's what emboldens us. That's what give us, gives us the, 
the ability to overcome temptation. That's what allows us to make really difficult decisions that maybe are not popular. That's God's Spirit at work in us. And we need that Spirit. And Paul knew that these Christians, as they navigated very difficult times, would need God's Spirit. Now, he also says that there's a goal in mind for God's Spirit and this power at work. And that's in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. So that Christ may be in you. Now, we see lots of passages that talk about us being in God. In fact, there are probably more of those. But this is one of those that says, Christ in you. Christ at work in your life. Now, we've got to be careful about that because sometimes we take that and it becomes, okay, it's a me and God club, right? Just me and God and we're doing our little thing. Christ is in me. Well, that is not the context in which Paul writes this. Paul is writing to the church. And it's clear that Paul is saying, listen, Christ is at work in you, therefore in us. All right, this is the body of Christ and Christ is dwelling in us. So Paul wants God's spirit to be at work with power in them. So Christ has a place to live in this world. We are his body doing his work all around us. That's what Paul wants for those Ephesians, for these early Christians, that Christ would be at work in them. Now, he takes it in a little different direction in the next couple verses. Pick up in the middle of verse 17. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, okay, in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now what Paul brings together here is love and power. Now when we hear about God's power, what, you know, in our culture, what we think about power, and I think in Paul's culture as well, because this is Rome, Roman Empire, power is strength. You access power to have control over yourself and other people. The Roman Empire was all about domination. And so power allowed them to do that. Paul says that's not the way God works. God's power is not just about strength and control and being in charge and, and telling other people what to do. God's power is expressed in love. And that's true for us, right? I mean, look at the cross. God's power over sin, His victory over sin is on the cross. It didn't look like power. It was love. But Paul's point is, when we see that kind of love at work, we're seeing the power of God at work. And so when you are showing other people the kind of love that God has shown to each one of us, that's God's power at work in you to show love. And Paul says... And the dimensions of God's love are just amazing. And he wants us to spend our lives. I mean, that's what he's praying, that, that these Christians would spend their lives trying to plumb the depths of God's great love. Trying to see how wide and deep and tall God's love is. It just goes on and on, but they should spend their lives trying to figure out 
just how vast it is. And then he sort of turns the tables on them. Verse 19, and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You're going to spend your life trying to find the limits, the boundaries of God's love, but guess what? What you'll realize after a while is you never get there because it's too big to measure. It's like Lewis and Clark going out to, to explore this continent, looking for the Pacific Ocean, and we keep going and going, looking for the boundary of God's love. Where is the limit of God's love? And Paul says you won't find it because it is so much bigger than we can imagine. We could spend our lives looking for the height and depth and width of God's love, and we'll never do it because it surpasses our knowledge. Power and love at work together in God's people. And then he concludes this, this whole section, which fills the first half of the book of Ephesians with this benediction. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be, the, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Those are powerful words that have been used in the life of the church for centuries as benedictions at the end of worship services or benedictions at the end of a prayer because they do talk about God's power at work. It is beautiful wording. But as we reflect on these few verses, Paul bringing together the power of God at work in us so that we can have Christ dwelling in us to show God's love to the people around us what does that teach us, a church in the midst of uncertain times, a church dealing with challenges that none of us have dealt with before? Christians have dealt with many of these challenges, but, but I haven't. What does this teach us today? I think if we brought it down to one simple sentence, it would be this. If we want to be the church, we need God at work in us. If we want to be the church, we need God at work in us. We've been talking over the last few weeks, what does it mean to be the church? Well, ultimately, if we want to be the church, the right church that God has called us to be in this time, we've got to have God at work in our lives. And what does that mean? Well, it's just what Paul's talking about. He says he wants Christ to dwell in our hearts, but it's all about the Spirit of God allowing us to have God's power at our access and then God's love joined with that. What we need right now is the power of God to help us walk through this and the love of God to help us continue our mission to love Him and love others. You see, it's still very much the same. We have the same needs in the midst of this crisis that these early Christians had in the midst of uncertainty for them. So three things I think we can do to access this power and this love so that it can be at work and carry us through an uncertain time. The first is to pray. That's what Paul does in this passage, right? I mean, if you read all the way from verse 14 down to verse 21, Paul is praying for these Christians. That's what we need to do. And maybe you say that's obvious, and maybe you say, you know, he's right, but I really haven't been doing that. Well, now's the time. Now's the time. We need to pray for our church. We need to pray not just for this church, 
but we need to pray for churches across our country and around the world who are dealing with some real crisis. I mean, there are Christians who are struggling right now across the globe, and we need to be praying for them as well, that they would have God's power so that they can walk through a difficult time and God's love so that they would remain a great witness to the people around them. That's what we want to do. We want people to know that that God is at work in us even in this difficult time and that we love each other and we love them. Second, don't let change scare you. It does scare us sometimes, doesn't it? Let's be honest. And sometimes it's not so much fear, it's just that we look back and we sort of wish things were like they once were. I mean, most of us, I think, are looking back to just a few months ago and certainly a year ago and saying, man, I wish things were like they were. This is uncomfortable. It just doesn't feel right. And I'm ready for it to feel like it should. And what I know is we can sometimes look back, and this can go back much further than a year, right? And we can look back and say, I wish things were sort of like they used to be. I mean, some of us look back and say, I wish we still had Sunday night service. I wish we still had Wednesday night prayer meeting or Bible study or whatever you used to have in your setting. Wish we had Sunday school. Wish we had this. Wish we had a Sunday evening sing. We could go on and on and on. And some of those things were a lot of fun and very meaningful, and they were worship. And it's easy to look back on some of that with rose-colored glasses and say, man, that was nice. But what we know is the world changes and the way that we relate to the world changes. The way that we fulfill the mission that God has given us changes. And we can't live in nostalgia. That's not a place that we can spend all our time. No, I think we can look back. I think we can sometimes mourn what once was. But what we know is the world does continue to change. And what we've learned over the past few months is sometimes that change is accelerated. I mean, many people who write about church life are saying that nothing has been as disruptive as what we've been through in the past few months for church life for 100 years. And we've just come through it and are in the middle of it. And it is uncomfortable. But here's what I know. God is still God, and we are still the church. So we shouldn't be afraid of it. And some things may never be exactly the same. And some of us may mourn that. But God's going to take care of it. He's still going to carry us through our mission. And that really takes us into the third thing I want us to remember is that we need to focus on what never changes. Yeah, some things have changed over the past few months. The way we take communion, our order of service, how we come in the building, whether we have to wear a mask, how we, uh, whether we can have coffee, all those things. The number of people in the room, whether we're going to watch online, all those things have changed. Some of them will change again. Some of them will maybe go back to what was normal. But we got to focus on what never changes. And what never changes is the power that is at work in us is the Spirit of God at work in us. That was true in the first century. 
It's true in the 21st century, and it's going to be true until Jesus returns. That will always be true for the church. What else is true? What else is true is that we're called to have the kind of love that God has shown for us so that we can show that to other people. And we're empowered to do that again by God's power, God's Spirit at work in us. That doesn't change. What never changes, Jesus is Lord. Paul wrote about that so clearly, and we've studied it in Ephesians 1 and 2. Jesus is King doesn't change. Jesus deserves our worship doesn't change. These are the things that are the bedrock for us. How we do some of that stuff, it does sometimes change, and it does make us uncomfortable. But we need not fear. Because God is still at work. His Spirit is still in this place and in us. Just like it was in the first century. And even though these Christians had much to fear, Paul is saying, listen, the Spirit of God is in you. And I believe Paul is saying to us across all these centuries, the Spirit of God is in you. And so God's power and God's love is at work in you. And that's the good news, because if we're going to be the church, we need God at work in us. Let's pray together. Now, this is, this is just a hard time for some of us. All these decisions that have to be made, all the pressure that's there, it's not just true in business, it's true at home, and um, it's true in our community, it's true in schools and mission organizations and colleges that Christians are part of throughout the world. So God, we pray, just like Paul did, that you would empower us with your Spirit to be your people. Fill us with your Spirit so that we can have the power that leads us to love people like you loved us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.